All right, folks, welcome back to the Mountain West Wire football podcast. You know who we are. Week 10. Oh, no, no, excuse me. Yeah, week 9. Matt, I'm trying to get ahead of myself. We do not want to speed this up any more than we have to. Week 9 preview. MWWire.com. Home of the fastest growing, most popular Mountain West website on the planet. Is that is that a fact? Yeah, let's let's call it that. It's not like there's that many out there. But yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty fair claim to make. Let's just say you'd be a part of the two most popular ones ever, and we are now at the most popular one ever. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up, I just did, but week nine's here. Another full week of conference only games, so Wyoming fans, CSU fans, hope you get to this podcast quickly because we are recording a little bit later than normal. But Matt, let's just start with your dare to the playoff committee. Why did you challenge them so forcefully? Because they got to show the conference some respect, man. Is it going to happen? <laughs> See, it's funny that you mentioned that because obviously all three of those teams have games this weekend, and it is Watch the Marvel's. kind of it's the kind of <laughs> it's the kind of situation where it could go sideways. Um, but I mean, I just I was struck by how and and if you haven't read the article, by the way. Maybe you should go do that. But I, I wrote about why why San Diego State, Utah State, and Fresno State all deserve to be ranked in the college football playoff top 25 when it comes out early next week. And basically what it comes down to is I see different reasons why they should all have enough merits to be included in that ranking. You know, for San Diego State, it basically comes down to a degree of difficulty that they've managed to overcome relative to the other two teams and that in at least in my opinion they have the advantage in the strength of schedule argument over pretty much anybody else in the conversation right now you know i would say that beating boise is quite obviously like the, the biggest win that any team has whether it's in the mountain west or without uh, so far this year and even arizona state like if they can stay above 500 that still would be a pretty good win if Eastern Michigan can keep winning like they have recently, that's going to look better and better. And and obviously we all know we've, they, they've done it without their starting quarterback and their starting running back. So, and obviously with great defense as well. And then for Fresno State, it was, it's more that they're, I, I called them the anti-UCF uh, by virtue of the fact that they haven't allowed 30 points in a game since the back-to-back, I don't know what you want to call them, body bag games against Alabama and Washington last year. Isn't that winning streak the longest in the country, I believe I saw? Well, it's not a winning streak. It's just oh, a sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry, defensive point streak. If I remember correctly, it was either that they were at the top by themselves or they were tied with Alabama. Like 18 straight games or something. I don't remember exactly what the number was. But, you know, and, and the offense has taken a huge step forward with McMarion under center. Like the one drawback that I mentioned is that I – I'm of the opinion, at least, that among the three teams in the Mountain West in the conversation right now, that the Minnesota loss on their ledger is probably the most puzzling. You know, not only because they got boat raced by Iowa and Ohio State in the you know, three and two weeks ago, but also because they they got beat by Nebraska last week. And even though Nebraska's you know, advanced profile looks a little better than the win loss column, it's still <laughs> bad. Maybe not a good look for the committee. So. You know, they kind of have to hope that the Gophers can turn it around a little bit to make that loss look a little bit better. Uh, and then I kind of saw Utah State's profile as being closest to UCF's 
And while granted it's not exactly the same, I think that maybe more so than Fresno and San Diego State, they've done exactly what you would expect a team like Utah State to do against the opposition that they've faced. Because I do think that you can ding them a little bit for the strength of schedule, kind of like you can with UCF. But they've, in a, you know, by mar- average margin of victory, especially in the last five weeks, and including last week's closer win against Wyoming, they've out UCF to UCF. Well, that makes sense. Because it's you're one interesting thing I thought about going through because you go through the profile of each team, which I loved, but I also liked how typically was it the twenty to twenty fifth teams they usually stick some random power five team who sort of looks okay. And they typically kind of fall on their face. <laughs> well, it's not it's not so much that they fall on their yeah. face, but it, it seems like there are three very clear tiers of performance after the first playoff rank come out. And what you usually get if you go and look at the list of teams, power five teams that have been placed at the bottom of the rankings, you know, you're talking about two lost teams in conference. And while they, their overall winning percentage since 2014 is 580, which is, you know, it's fine. You know, but as I mentioned, like for every team that was maybe slightly underrated, like Clemson in 2014, you know, they really took off and became Clemson after that. Uh, but I mean, for every team like that, you've got a team like, you know, last year's Arizona team, which fell on its face after getting ranked in the top 20. So, I just I don't really see a reason for them to keep ranking <laughs> these like good but not great power five teams when I think, at least for this year, the race should look a little more like it was in 2014 when four teams out of the group of five started in the top 25. And ironically enough, it was Memphis who was at the top of that list that year that was the one that fell hardest. <laughs> But, you know, there were three teams out of the American that year, uh, Memphis, Temple, and Houston. And obviously Houston was the team that ultimately went and won the Peach Bowl against Oklahoma. But I think that this year's Mountain West, alongside UCF and begrudgingly South Florida, I'm just of the opinion that all five of those teams need a spot somewhere in the top 25. Yeah. Do you? So, what do you think? Assuming they all win this weekend, do you think how many will be ranked? I mean, if it were up to me, all five of them would be ranked. I think a lot of it is going to depend on a on a couple different things. One, can Utah State get back to thumping opponents by three touchdowns? Because I think with their strength of schedule, they need to be able to get back to winning that big. Um, so we'll talk about that a little more with New Mexico in a little bit. For Fresno State, I think they just kind of keep need to keep doing what they've been doing, which is playing suffocating defense, winning the field position battle, and you know being merciless with a really efficient offense. And then San Diego State just needs to have a convincing win, which when we talk about the their matchup with Nevada this week, e- easier said than done. It's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I would say I would say one last thing before we kind of get to the games. Part of it is, I know the playoff committee is supposed to. Be, oh, we don't. There's a reason they do rankings the week before, day before Halloween. Like, what? What are we gonna be week after week nine? It's because like, well, we'll take the bias out of it. Won't we'll be looking at AP or coaches poll. But as we discussed last week, or I think it was with us last week. I don't. Maybe it was something else. Somebody else was chatting with about. But 
Um, it'll probably be the top 10 as it stands, maybe sans UCF, but some other different order outside of like Alabama and Notre Dame or whatever Clemson. It'll be probably those same 10 to 12 teams. It just jumbled up in a hat after spot three. Mm-hmm. But what, but then you see at the bottom, like you mentioned, well, there's a reason Utah state or even Fresno state aren't getting close enough to the polls as you think they should be right now. It's because of preseason. Like you mentioned, Utah state's overachieved by far of any of these teams, like relative to expectations to begin beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Utah, San Diego state and Fresno state are probably, I'd say they're exactly where we thought they'd be right. One loss, maybe undefeated. They're not overachieving or underachieving. They're where we thought they were. But when you look at Utah State, like, well, when they're looking at the polls, like, well, who they vote for, who they play, all the, okay, lost Michigan State, not bad. But to make what I'm getting at is when you make the leap or make the jump from, it's like if you go back a decade ago or more than that now in Auburn in 04, they started, I think, unranked. They just couldn't get high enough because they started too far outside the polls already at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. That's what I know that's what the playoff poll is trying to avoid by this, but it's not going to matter. They're not, are they going to put, like you mentioned, we see everybody's getting around to our thinking, like Jerry Palm, Herb Street, all these other guys. UCF schedule is terrible. It's, they've played nobody. Be, they've beaten zero teams with a winning record. I think their best win is a Memphis. He's what, three and three, right? Four and four. Yeah. Something like that. So it's like, okay, they beat nobody, essentially. I know it's their schedule, but they're already ranked high enough as this. They're not going to drop. Like if you look at it equally, don't worry about last year, worry about right now. The gap, like you said, isn't as big as it should be between – I know App State lost tonight, so you're pretty much out of the running. But when you look at Utah State, Fresno, Aztecs, and UCF, UCF, I don't know. Would they be still the best team just, even just because they have no losses? But it should be really close, right? It should be closer. I mean, it should have been closer since August. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we talked about in our preseason previews. And you know, better late than never, I guess. You but be- I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out if these teams put themselves in a position to be a part of that conversation. Because yeah. there is, there is still a whole Saturday that we got to get to, and it's not like there's any gimmies. That's right. And you mentioned you're saying all off season, all three should have been ranked preseason. Yeah. Because look how long it took for like even like Hawaii was getting all these votes more than Fresno State were, or Fresno State was, for a couple weeks of the year. Mm-hmm. But it's just. Uh, I don't know. Fresno State's still getting only, like, I'm looking, really, we'll move on to the games, but coaches pull, they're sitting behind. Oh, crap, come on, control off work. They are still behind Cincinnati in votes. I don't get it. They're behind Houston in votes, which, okay, Houston's not bad. But also, one game to watch this weekend Houston's a touchdown home favorite over USF. I believe it's seven and a half now. Oh, is seven, it not? Uh, I don't recall. <laughs> which, but. which is really funny. It, it is, and like, yeah, come on, give me a break. South Florida, why? Why are they ranked? I'm serious. Like, they're undefeated. Well, I mean, but I think that I think that if you look at the bottom of the AP poll right now, this weekend does set up to be potentially pretty nice for the Mountain West to jump into it with two or three teams. Because not only do you have, uh, you know, like you just mentioned, South Florida, but you know, Utah's got a tricky home game against mm. UCLA that's looking a no, little bit no, better in the no. last couple of weeks. You don't think so? Utah's it's on the road, first of all. Sorry to throw that at you, but it is road game. Well, yeah, that's what I said. Oh, you said oh they said at home for Utah. Sorry. UCLA's garbage. Come on. Utah's yeah, they they've they've won two in a row. Yeah, we talk about this on my other radio show I do, but uh <laughs> they are first place packed full south. 
So technically, they could keep rolling. But Utah has also scored forty points in three straight games and dominated USC last weekend. And other teams, but yeah, and also and also kind of just throw a few other games out there. App State lost tonight, so there's that. And the coaches. That's poll. true. Or uh, AP poll, sorry, AP. N- number fourteen, Washington State at number twenty four, Stanford. So if mm-hmm. the uh, if the Cougars can take care of business on the road, that's another team out of the way. Number 22, NC State at Syracuse. They've been known to pull some upsets at the Carrier Dome before. Don't just ask Mike. Don't ask Mike Fraseska who Dino Babers is because he has no clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> I just saw it just now. Like, oh, geez. You also and then to... I ha- and then I have to imagine that you know between number 17, Penn State, mm-hmm. and number 18, Iowa, if one of those teams wins big, I imagine it's going to knock the other one out of the top 25. Or and then and then Wisconsin number 20 at Northwestern too. I'll give you dark horse one: Mississippi State hosting Texas A&M. Ooh, just saying. So so if you you know keep one eye on your team, keep another eye on the enemies. Maybe we'll start doing an article. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll work on it. You know what? I'll start doing that after the college football playoff ranking comes out. Who do you want to lose? Yeah. Who do we want to watch? Who do we want to root against? That's always good. We used to do, I used to do that years ago at the BCS, but that's definitely something to watch out for. All right. Should we get the games, I guess, now since we've already chatted about awesome college footballness? Let's do it. All right. Friday night game. The one of the next two, I don't know. We need to rank the trophies one off season just because for website content. That's just going to make a lot of people mad. That's fine. As long as you read it, right? That's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> Wyoming at Colorado State for the 118th or 119th, depending what side you're on, bronze boots in Fort Collins. By the way, be on the lookout for the book review of oh, Robert right. Gagliardi and uh, Ryan Gunderson. No. Oh, man, what's his name? He's on Oregon now, right? I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad that I'm, I'm, I'm having a brain fart on his name, but... I wrote a book review. I'm posting it this weekend. Be on the lookout for that. MWWire.com. I will find that guy in a moment because he wrote the book about the boycott with the black players, African-American players when they played BYU yes. years ago. We'll find out who that is um, back in the 70s. All right. So the game itself, it's at Colorado State. Um, the 14, the black 14, that's what it was. Yes. Okay. We'll get that later. Uh, we don't need to spend time Googling, but look for that review. You will have the correct information when that gets posted, right? I'm assuming. Uh, yes, I will. I promise. <laughs> we'll have that. So this game is on CBS Sports Network, a good old 8 p.m. Mountain Time on Friday night. So watch your football if you're hanging out at the local restaurant or pub. Say, hey, hey, barkeep, bartender, put on CBS Sports for us, please. They're like, when they say what channel? <laughs> Tell them what channel it's on. <laughs> you you, you joke, but I've done that multiple times. No, you got to do it. It's like, hey, we don't need random pre. Well, NBA is not preseason. Move over World Series. Is our World Series game Friday? Who, who cares about the Dodgers in the NLCS? <laughs> I need to watch San Diego State at Air Force. <laughs> exactly. All right. So this game, CSU is a slim one point home favorite. The big the big thing about this game is, hey, who's going to be quarterback? We do know. Colin Hill's officially getting the start for the Rams. Do we think that that's a worthwhile move at this point? Uh, are they playing for next year? Depends. What are they playing for? Oh, that is a good question. Because I mean, three and five, not completely out of it. Because really quick, their schedule lets you get your thoughts there. Well, obviously, favorite versus Wyoming. At Nevada could be a winnable game. At Air Force could be a winnable game. Not, probably not Utah State at home. So there are potentially still six wins on the table for them. Okay, so according to Bill Connolly's stat profiles, they have a 7% chance of reaching bowl eligibility. Okay. 
they're probably playing for next year. They they are. But I, I mean that. But I mean that's got to suck for pretty much everybody else on that offense because you know Izzy Matthews is a senior, Ole B.C. Johnson's a senior, Preston Williams is a junior. But it would not surprise me at all if he declared early with the way he's been playing. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Watson's a senior, Trey Thomas. I mean, like, I don't I don't get it at all, especially when you're considering this is a Wyoming team that is down, and you know finally primed for Mike Bobo to, to take advantage of a Rebeler game for once. Oh, yeah. Also, um, one quote, and I don't have it, the direct quote in front of me, but Bobo is basically still leaving the door open for Curtis Samuels to play. Because that's what Mike Come Bobo on, does. Come on, man. Make up your mind. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> hey, at least he named the starter before the game, at least a week before, right? I mean, I guess. Here's the reason why I think it's a decent move. Because Colin Hill has been garbage all year. Because, you know, he's playing on one broken leg still, essentially, that ACL tear, recovering from. He actually looked good versus Boise State. Yeah, I number twos were kind of in there at some point, mixing in and out the not the non-starters with backups and starters. He did go 12-14 for a touchdown last week and threw for 135. By far his best game, not even close. So maybe that's all he needed to see because he's always been like one of two, uh, one of four, nine of 17. He actually had a pretty good game. Didn't play versus New Mexico. And so maybe that's what he wanted him to see. Like, all right, he's healthy enough to play, and he looked good. So hopefully he's going off of that because he did look good. Not that Carter Samuels looked bad. The two picks weren't helpful versus Boise State. But maybe that's your thinking. It's just You're right. It's like, dude, man up and make a decision. Well, I mean, it's just like, you know, either one of them can throw the ball to the receivers that Colorado State has. I still, I still don't yeah. think quarterback is the problem. It's not there. the problem. It's the defense. And – it's just it's a defense mostly a running game a running game as well because the offensive line isn't great, but so, it was fine last week. Izzy Matthews did okay. He's been getting better, but man, it's not the quarterback. That's at least the worries. Okay, so can we talk about that defensive matchup against this Wyoming offense real quick? Oh, do we have to? <laughs> I, I mean, this is a Mountain West football podcast, so I think yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll, we're not we're not con- we're not con- we're not uh, contractually obligated, but it is kind of our thing. Yeah. No, we can't. So, Go for it. So, so here's here's one thing that I want to note that I don't think we've been talking about enough when it comes to Wyoming's offensive struggles. Do you know how many offensive line combinations the Cowboys have played this this year? I'm not going to cheat and open up the game notes as we talk right now, but I'm going to guess this is game number eight for them. Number nine, mm-hmm. excuse me. They played yes. eight games. I'm going to guess because I've seen this a little bit at least four. As of right now, it is five. Okay. Next week, this tomorrow night, Friday night, it'll be six. Yeah. They're elevating a true freshman into the starting lineup, Zach Watts, who is replacing Eric Abijay. They now have three freshmen on their offensive line. Are we are we sure that that is also not a significant part of the problem that we we just haven't really talked about enough? It is a problem, but guess what? Why not do it against a bad Rams defense? Get the young guys out there. Well, see, that's the thing. Because we, we've seen Colorado State come to life at least a little bit in the last month. Mm-hmm. You know, that defense played really well, at least for uh, for three quarters against San Jose State. And they shut down a New Mexico offense that looked like it had finally turned the corner. And then, I mean, they, they let Boise State and Burt Rippon you know, throw all over the place on them. But I still think that there's the potential here for them to kind of assert themselves. But, you know, I, I don't know if it's 
kind of a unit thing that they have to do or if it's one guy that needs to step up. Like I know that you know Caleb Smith's come on a lot lately. He only has four tackles for loss, but he's played pretty well in what I've seen him. Or whether they just need to like get the guys on the inside, Devin Phillips and Ellison Hubbard. Like if if those guys could take advantage of the youth on the interior of the whole, the Wyoming offensive line, because I I don't think for for Wyoming obviously they have their own quarterback issues going on. They have an or on their depth chart between mm-hmm. Tyler Vanderwall and Sean Chambers. But, I mean, I don't think it's going to matter if they can shut down Nico Evans. And I think if those guys, especially in the middle of the the defensive line, if they can step up and have a good game, it's going to be a long night for the Cowboys. So, you know what my game plan for Craig Bull is? You want a pro tip? Sure. First down, Nico Evans runs behind the tackle, left tackle specifically. Second down, go behind the right tackle. Third down, I don't care. Do a draw or something or a counterplay. Give them the ball as much as possible because that's how they're going to win. And I expect, I'll say right now, I'd say Nico Evans is going to have a season-high rushing yards in this game. What is his season-high right now? I'm checking right now because he is the best running back in the conference by a good margin. Um, He has 803 yards, five total TDs. His biggest um, or most yards. uh, Also, he's missed two games, folks, as well. Um, At Hawaii for 192. I'll say it. He'll have 200 yards on the ground at this game. Interesting. That's not too far-fetched, I don't believe. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I'm a little more skeptical just because I've seen enough of this Wyoming offense to to be just like totally out on them. All right. The Rams are giving up over five yards per carry. On the That's ground. true. But, I mean, what's interesting is if you look at what they've done on a per-play basis as far as the, the ground game is concerned, and if you narrow it by what they've done in conference play especially, Wyoming and Colorado State on the ground are basically dead even. They both played four Mountain West games, and they are within one hundredth of a yard per carry. So, I mean, maybe it is another chance for Nico Evans to break out, but honestly, with the way that... Yeah, you know Wyoming's defense. I mean, I'm not totally sold that they actually turned a corner, even though they were able to kind of put the clamps on Utah State last weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, it also would not surprise me to see Izzy Matthews break out and have a big game. I wouldn't really get to Wyoming defense. Do you think they could? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's more likely that they get picked apart in the secondary again, and that they kind of regress from what they were able to do last week. Hmm. I, like I think I think if Colorado State's going to win this game, it's going to be because Colin Hill steps up and looks kind of like he did two years ago. Because if he doesn't, then the Rams are going to get you know it's going to get ugly, and then I have no idea what's going to happen. So the way these teams play, like we've been kind of going back and forth. The defense obviously is good for Wyoming, not really for CSU. Running game is strength. If you look at overall for who has more strengths. I, I got to give CSU a small edge because they could actually – here's the reason why. They actually have a quarterback, even if it's Colin Hill, from what he did last week, they could actually throw the ball and move the ball in the air. While we cannot throw the ball. Running game, like you mentioned, conference play fairly even. Still, I'd still give the edge to Wyoming because what Nico Evans has done. Um, defense, clearly Wyoming. So this game, it's like a jumble play uh, – what's it, a boggle or something. You know what I mean? Shake mm-hmm. it up. Shake up the game. Shake, what words come up? What letters you'll probably find it just an okay word each time. Neither team, I don't think, can for how good the Wyoming defense is. I still think Preston Williams or whoever, because 
will get the ball and get the airs. Because haven't we mentioned like the uh, Cowboys secondary hasn't been that good this year? They haven't been quite the same as they were last year now. So there's if you if you kind of narrow it down even more, like Preston Williams is probably top, as we mentioned our midseason number two, one number two wide wide out. Who's gonna step up and guard him? Okay, they could still run the ball. I think when the Rams are good, they'll be their offense will do enough to get past the Wyoming defense. They'll have enough chances because I don't think Wyoming's gonna move the ball very well outside of Nico Evans. Even though the Rams defense is terrible, I think when you look who's like, how would you want to say this game goes? Would you bank on like what would you rather bank on, Matt? Would you okay? I have a good offense as the Rams do, being more consistent. Then rather saying, okay, Rams defense is so bad, why well, I'm going to move the ball just because of how bad they are, the, oppose, the opposing unit. I would go with the offense because we know what they have and they're actually good compared to banking on playing a bad opponent. I mean, I think I would probably lean on the Rams defense in that case because, I mean, we've seen, really? I mean, we've seen Wyoming play against what we thought were good defenses and be kind of okay. I guess like think back all the way back to the beginning of the season when they played New Mexico state, mm-hmm. like we thought New Mexico state's defense was going to be a lot better than it's been throughout the year. And they only managed to score 29 points on them. And Oh, by the way, they haven't scored 20 points in a game since. Should I change my pick? Cause I, my official pick on our spreadsheet is Wyoming to win and cover. I mean, that's on you. What do you want to, what do you want to say? I don't know. It's also a point and a half. This is a tough game to choose. What are you going with? What's your official pick here? So I'm going to throw the, I'm going to throw it out there first. SMP Plus. Oh, yes, we need to do this. Has this game uh, Wyoming 29, Colorado State 26. I have no idea how Wyoming is going to score 29 points. That's a good point. <laughs> really quick on my end, number fire basically is a dead heat tie 27-27 with Wyoming like a point four edge. But then uh, team rankings twenty four to twenty two, and it's also officially at this time a one point spread. So which pick them? Oh, Rams are a home favorite, which basically means they like Wyoming if they was played anywhere else in the country. Uh, so who, what are you doing? You going with the Rams? Yeah, I think the Rams are going to win pretty comfortably. Oh, comfortably. Yeah, I'm going to say. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be pretty. I don't think. Really quick, the over under is only forty six. I'm going to say CSU 24, Wyoming 10. I, I'm going to change my pick now because my spreadsheet hasn't been published yet. So I'm going to change to CSU to win and cover. But it's going to be like, I don't know. Because I, I, me talking about like here's my reasoning. Like, hey, the Rams defense is the best unit on the field, I think. Well, I don't know. I think they can do the most damage because defense is hard to score points on when they're Wyoming. Because Wyoming, remember last week they had a uh, – if I recall, they had the interception to the 12-yard line. Didn't they settle for a field goal? They've done that multiple multiple <laughs> times this year. So it's like you, Logan Wilson or Marcus Epps or Carl Granderson gets a great play, and they get three points out of it when the offense needs to go like 10 yards. So I'm going to say the Rams are going to win. It's going to be like – I'll go 27-17 Rams. All right. That's, oh, that's bold, I think. All right, next game, Saturday games. And this week's schedule is pretty spaced out like the last week which is nice for the most part. 2 p.m. Mountain Time, New Mexico Lobos on the road, taking on the good old Utah State Aggies. Our good buddy Logan Jones will be in the press box for this one. Very which nice. Is good. He'll, I had to make sure to get his seat assigned because I got the email from their guy. I'm like, hey, is he going to be there? I'm like, yes, he will. So 
look out for his tweets and weather should be nice uh, out there. A, a brisk uh, 70 degrees almost. And Matt, how is the over under 62, 62 points? Utah State's favored by 20 and a half. <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. 41 to 21, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you joke, but that might actually be what it is. And, and I only say that because having watched a lot of New Mexico football over the last month, I'm still not quite sure what this team is because they looked great for a couple of weeks and then they looked like hot trash the last couple of weeks against Colorado State and Fresno State. And so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe they'll have a shot in an upset against Utah State because mm-hmm. no. Sorry. You don't think so? So so I will I will put it upon you then. Why don't they have an upset chance? First off, it's New Mexico, but that's a lame reason. Um, I will say this is why, because this New Mexico team on offense is not what they used to be. There's a reason. Um, no, I'll give you a new reason right now. So October 25th, an Albuquerque, ABQ journal, I can't say Albuquerque tonight. Um, do you know who the wide receiver um, Anselm Uma is for New Mexico? Uh, yes, I believe he is attending a wedding. Yes. This weekend. <laughs> So nobody nobody told his family about the the, the long running joke among college football fans. <laughs> no, it's it is his sister's wedding. I I don't know. What would you do if that if you're in that situation? Well, I mean, I've already been to two weddings this fall, so well, I think that pretty much answers the question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, I just kind of joking if I saw that, but here's reason the serious reason why is we've seen New Mexico over the years when they had um, the prior offense they ran the more option based attack. They upset Boise State. They're co-champs in the division. They could break off huge plays on the ground, like with um, Richard, whoever they've had in the past, McCorley. They have Owens this year. They're not as explosive on the ground anymore. And while their passing game has gotten better with Jones throwing the ball, Utah State's defense is really good. I don't. I think here's. I think it's because Utah State could score enough points because Lobo's defense is not capable of making enough stops in this game which wouldn't normally be an issue because the offense could make plays against anybody. Offense isn't there. So it's a combination of the defense just being okay, playing up against a good Utah State team, and hopefully Jordan Love bounces back from his bad game. But I just think Utah State has too much on both sides of the ball, and the Lobos don't have that threat of a big play as they used to to stay in games if their defense kind of um, plays like a wet paper bag. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately what this game is going to come down to is how well they contain that Utah State running game. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, on defense, they've been uh, maybe not quite as good as, as Lobos fans would like them to be. You know, by defensive opportunity rate, which is basically just, you know, how often opponents are getting beyond five yards. Right now, they rank 72nd in the country in that regard. And they only rank 110th in stuff rate which is basically just percentage of plays stopped at or behind the line. And it's not like they don't have, you know, good players in the front seven. Like the linebackers are still doing a a lot of good work. But when you look at, you know, the overall havoc rate by unit on this team, you can see that it's mostly the guys on the back end who have been doing a lot of the disrupting. Like the, the defensive backs, for instance, rank 25th nationally in overall havoc rate. The defensive line, by comparison, ranks 120th. 
So, I mean, I think that they're going to need those guys along the front to step up one way or another because they've been pretty quiet for most of the year. I'm trying to look up, you know, who the leader among defensive linemen in, in, in uh, tackles for loss. And it looks like it's Aaron Blackwell. He only has three tackles for loss. And two of those, I think, came a couple weeks ago in the loss at Colorado State. Well, actually, it, are you mean defensive linemen? Yes. Oh, sorry. I was looking at linebacker there. No, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, like the, the linebackers are doing a lot of good work, but I think they need a little bit more from the defensive line if they're going to have a chance in this game. Because I think that maybe they do have a chance to slow down Jordan Love a little bit. Because, as I mentioned just a minute ago, I think that the, the guys on the back end are doing a lot of good work, especially as far as defending passes. They haven't always turned them into opportunities for turnovers, but they, you know, you know, D'Angelo Ross, for instance, has five pass breakups. Jalen Burl has four. You know, Michael Sewell has has one. Marcus Hayes has three. So I think they've they've given themselves opportunities to to be defensive and and be solid against the pass, which I think is a good sign against a, a Utah State offense that's more known for its efficiency than its explosiveness. But again, that's not going to matter if they can't stop the run. I don't. I they can't because. When we look at what Utah State does defensively, like flip it around real quick, I don't think they'll stop it either. I think we'll, uh, Thompson and uh, Gerald Bright will have big games. Even Love, he can he can well sort of move on the ground a little bit, but we'll see what he does on there. But we flip it around, like Utah State's defense is not bad. You know what I mean? They got some really good players. Like we were debating who should be the player of the year mm-hmm. at midseason point. So if we look at who they have, and that's where it comes back to me. Like this Lobos offense doesn't have those capabilities of a rushing for, you know what I mean, like 40-yard run, 60-yard run, 55-yard run to where they can bust off those huge plays. You, first off, Utah State doesn't really give up those plays. They do, Like, when you look at what they give up, like, total defense there, they're okay. They're not great. But I don't, New Mexico, but counter that with New Mexico's offense not being able to bust off big plays. Maybe Jones will have a bunch of touchdowns. They'll beat him in the air every now and then because that's the one area watching, like, the BYU game and other games Utah State secondary is pro- it's not bad, but it's not great either. So maybe this downfield passing attack, like Dalen Hart and all that stuff, will get going for them because they can make plays. Like when we saw the Fresno game, there's that kind of pass interference call early on, drop pass. You remember those f- or that first drive or two where they're moving down the field, throwing fairly well. So mm-hmm. they so they have that opportunity. I just that's the only way I think Lobos can win. It won't be in the ground; it'll be through the air. Yeah, I mean, I think I would tend to agree with that, if only because Utah State's been pretty solid defending against the run, which is, as you mentioned, has not been New Mexico's strength. Like, even though they only rank eighth in the conference as far as, you know, run defense, and and this is by conference games only, I should mention that, they're still only allowing 3.8 yards per carry on the ground in three conference games, mm-hmm. which is, a, I would still say a net positive for the Aggies, especially in their front seven, who, you know, with all the guys who've been making plays pretty much week in and week out, you know, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Sharon Jones to, to try to create those plays that he's made off and on. But, you know, he didn't have it last week against Fresno state. He didn't have it two weeks ago against Colorado state. And unless he can rediscover that downfield element, it's going to get ugly pretty quick. Yeah, and like I mentioned, say Utah State's secondary is not great. It's still good. Like they're second in yards per attempt allowed. They have eight picks, QB rating of about one ten, which is okay. But and percentage is great too. 
But I remember watching a couple games. It wasn't necessarily – well, part of what it was was bad QB throws because when you watch like a couple games, like like Jillian's inaccurate. When, B, when they play Tanner Mangum, he is inaccurate. They had guys open. Part of it was quarterbacks not finding their guys, for like overthrowing their bad passes. So they are good overall, but there's enough enough plays where I saw like, okay, if they had a better quarterback, Utah State could have been beat a couple times. I don't I mean, know. I, I don't know if Jones is that guy, but it's that's like the only weakness I really see, and it's not very many chip plays where that happened either. I mean, I think I would contend that Utah State's pass defense is maybe a little better than you think it is if only because they've shown a propensity week in and week out to just kind of exploit shaky pass offenses. Like, who's the best pass offense that they've faced this year? It's probably Michigan State. Yeah. And even then, like, Michigan State really had to work for it. You know, but they, you know, held down New Mexico State. They, you know, held Air Force in check. They took care of business against Vanderbilt last week. You know, they took UNLV out of commission, like, really early in that Mm -hmm. game. So I think that the overall numbers are maybe a little bit deceptive, if only because no, they're good. A My lot p- of times, a lot of times, people have been playing catch up against them. They're, they're, I think. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think when you when you look at the splits, you know there aren't any real drastic splits. Like even when teams are playing catch up against the Aggies, they've actually been better in the second half of games defending against the pass, at least by passer rating is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, than they are before halftime. Yeah, my I guess my point was that it's not. I'm not trying to downplay, but I'm just saying, had they played against better quarterbacks, not not meaning the throws the guys aren't covered, but there's enough times where it's. I'm kind of like nitpicking here. I'm trying to look for something that might give the Lobos an edge or some way they could hang around this game. It's that they quarter dead receivers open, the opposing teams quarterbacks just couldn't find them. And that seriously, that could account for if, the, if all those passes I noticed that I'm kind of looking through. I saw a couple of his BYU, but you're right when they're down, they're gonna pass more, which gives opportunities to make big plays and make the defense the numbers look different. I just mm-hmm. saw enough plays in a couple of games where quarterbacks were just missing guys who were open, where the receivers did their job, but the quarterback didn't. And mm-hmm. had they made those plays, what would their average yard be given up? Six point four instead of six. You know what I mean? Maybe ten TDs instead of nine given up completion percentage might be 55 instead of 53. I just, there's just a, and it could have been backups in the game because sometimes I watch these games on mute and kind of go quickly through them. But I just saw a couple plays where, Hey, there's a, there's a place where Utah States could have been beat, but I'm still going to Utah state and they're going to go big because Lobos, unless Jones goes off and has like four TDs and no picks. I don't think Lobos will keep it close. Cause you're right. It could, what, what team's going to show up? The team versus UNLV who put up what? 52 to 10. Or is it a team that laid the egg last week or so? It gets like Fresno. And then Boise didn't play well either. Even though those are really good teams, so it's kind of hard. Like, did you really play bad? Or are you just playing up a good te- going up against a good team? S&P Plus has this as uh, Utah State 39, New Mexico 22. Whoa, that seems a little close. I would say, uh, really quick, a number of fire and team rankings have a basically a four, 40 to 42 point to 18 to 20 point victory. Or 18 okay. points for New Mexico. So, like, 22 points. I, I'm i going to go big. I'm going to go 50 to fifty to, eight, 50 to 17. Wow. Okay. Because, well, no, that's too bold. I think it's too bold. I'm going to – no, let me temper that down. Can I go 42-20? <laughs> Well, why don't you just go forty-one twenty-one like you originally said? Sure, I'll go forty-one twenty. No, but they don't cover the spread. I think. That's <laughs> that's Hold true. on, let me see my pick here. If I lo- 
on the spreadsheet, I locked it at 20 and a half. Nope. I will go 41, 21. Cause I think Lobos will keep it a little bit closer. All right. So you're taking the Lobos and the points. Yeah. What do well, you got? Okay. So, so how about I go 50 to 17 instead? Go for it. Sure. Cause I think that's what's going to happen. I would take Utah state in the points. Okay. Like it's one half a point off. Give me a break. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, you took them and do it. I'm like, well, like I'm an actual projection there. All right, so next one, we got to hustle all in here. We've been talking for a while. UNLV at San Jose State. Um, can you explain to me how in the world is it still? Um, oh, it's still the same. There it is now. This game swung a four and a half point swing. Oh, we also forgot to mention the Utah State games on Facebook again. Uh, yeah, that's probably useful now. Just so, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we didn't mention that, but that game will be. There'll be a ranked team on Facebook coming up shortly. <laughs> uh, but this game, San Jose State hosting UNLV. Uh, do you know the last time when the Spartans have been favored? Because I don't, and they're a three-point favorite in this game. I wish I knew that off the top of my head. And this game actually started at plus three and a half, so it went six and a half point swing. <laughs> All right, then. Who's betting on the Spartans? <laughs> Somebody who's watched UNLV in the last three weeks. Oh, touche. This game also, AT&T Sportsnet, 3.30 Pacific time. Not at Levi Stadium, actually at Spartan Stadium. Um, where should we start with this one, Matt? Where should we, <laughs> oh, man. I have no idea what to make of this game. <laughs> I mean, because you're talking about maybe... Maybe the two most erratic offenses in the Mountain West... If you're and that's and that's and that's really saying something. If you're erratic, that means you have to be good at some point. Have either of these offenses, uh, specifically San Jose State, really been good? Well, I mean, they had 15 minutes against Colorado State where they look really good. That's right. They scored about 30 points. Is that correct? And they did. And they did drop 41 against Hawaii. Okay, there you go. But oh, man, I have to really think about this because I think this is a good opportunity because. If you've listened to the podcast throughout the year, you know that I'm kind of a long-term believer in what the Spartans are trying to do. You are. I am. But, I mean, recently, and I'm thinking about the last two weeks, it has not looked pretty. You know, they continually shot themselves in the foot against Army and got blown out. And while, you know, last week against San Diego State wasn't quite as lopsided, like the defense gave them a really good effort. But the offense just had no chance against the Aztecs' defense. And now you look at what they've been able to do on the year. You know, they're 124th on offense and success rate. They are dead last nationally in opportunity rate. They're 120th in stuff rate. It's just you you go down the stat profile that Bill Connolly's put together, and there is almost literally nothing positive to say about what the offense has done this year. But then, but then they're playing UNLV, so I have no <laughs> idea. Um, do we know as the um, they're still sticking with Josh Love, right? There's no switch to quarterback recently, has there? There is no or on the depth chart. So here's the um, oh my gosh, you want to, okay? So I was going to say the main component in this game to watch for is the Rebels' running game because you know Lexington Thomas is pretty good, right? Yes. So I, I'm I'm perusing the Las Vegas Sun because I haven't done too much Rebels research because this game is meh. 
we do have our guy B, uh, Keith um, with his preview up right now, so we you can go check that out too. Um, title from the Las Vegas Sun. I, I'm going to try not to laugh when I say it, Matt, so forgive me. UNLV offense shifting to blank. What do you think it is? Have you read this headline? I have not read this headline, but okay. my first my first thought was, oh, no. <laughs> say it, yes. <laughs> They're not doing, like, the triple option, are they? Oh, no, I would love this triple option. They're shifting to the passing game under Max Gilliam. <laughs> well, I mean. You have Lexington freaking Thomas. <laughs> I mean, Lexington Thomas's production has gone way down recently, though. Didn't he have 100 yards last week? Did he? I, I didn't pay that much attention, honestly. I'm going to double check. I think that's the case. But go yeah, ahead. 20, 20 carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, see? he's There he is. I mean, I guess. I mean, if, if you think Jillian gives you an opportunity to do that, and you know maybe he does because he did have a much better game against Air Force. And... You know, we we talked. We'll probably talk about it maybe again in a little bit. But the Falcons do have a propensity for giving up big plays, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Is is Max Gilliam improving each game? Because when you when, if you squint, you could maybe make that argument. Because right. here here's a couple things I could say, to, and I'm maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. So since he started against New Mexico. His completion percentage has gone up from 42.9% to 50 to 68.4%. Okay. His yards per attempt have nearly doubled from the, from the New Mexico game to what he did against Utah State and Air Force. His overall passer rating has gone up each game too, and now he has eight touchdowns against just three interceptions. So maybe being more balanced is is kind of what the doctor ordered for this team. True. Here's what head coach uh, Tony Sanchez had to say. It'll it probably it's like he's getting better, so it's kind of the reason I joke because I think the Rebels better when they run the ball. He goes, it probably took us a good game, game and a half to see what what are the things that we probably need to pull back on and expand on because it's more Max and less Armani. Uh, coach, shouldn't you have known that when you first put him in, right? That he's not going to run the ball like Armani. You run one offense, back to the coach, coach here. You run one offense, and you run it based on the guy who is your starting quarterback. You've seen us. We're throwing the ball a little bit more than we have. Yeah, a lot more than we have, actually. So RPO is his game. He's Really? You're going to say Jillian's game is RPO? No. <laughs> When's he going to keep it himself? And I don't know. It's uh, he, So here, here's he's an interesting been getting, He's been getting better, so we can't knock that, but it's kind of funny with I think they should run the ball more. Go to Thomas. Well, here's an interesting stat that I think kind of backs up what they've started to do in the last few weeks. On the season as a whole, they've still only thrown the ball 43.2% of the time. But in the last three weeks, all of which Jillian has been under center, that number has jumped to 53%. Okay. And so maybe it's not, you know, all of a sudden turning into to Boise State or, or like an air raid offense or something like that. But just having some semblance of balance that makes them a little bit more unpredictable, and maybe that is part, maybe that was part of the key for enabling Lexi to Thomas to kind of get back to where we all think he can be. Uh, maybe, maybe that maybe that's the case. Maybe there's block of the run, but I still think their best chance is giving him the ball. Like, do you want to give Jillian forty-five pass attempts? 
I mean, maybe not 45. Well, okay, but... do you want to give him 25? Well, he had, what, 38 pass attempts last week? True, yeah. And then, I... and they nearly and they nearly stole one from Air Force. True. You're bringing up good points there. <laughs> I I would just say, like, what's the more cons- – well, I, I was going to say what's the more consistent strength, but neither passing or running has been consistent the past three weeks. So I would still bet if I'm going to say what's the what I'd rather do, I'd rather run the ball more with Thomas and pass it maybe. Like he's thrown 35, 36, 38 times. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I still think they should run the ball a bit more. Like He has been proof throwing, so I joke, but I still think running is their best way to win. I mean, I think for San Jose State, what it's going to come down to is winning on early downs because one of the things that Air Force was able to do in last week's win was they really forced Jilliam into a lot of obvious passing situations, and they really made him work for it. You know, if you just go by passing downs, he was 14 of 22, and while he did have 166 yards, that was also when he took his two sacks and threw his one interception. And it's not like they were all that successful on early downs. Like, they only had a 30, 38% success rate on standard downs, which is like first and 10, second and seven, things like that. So, I mean, I think that if, if San Jose State, which, again, maybe a big if, but if they can force him into those situations and really make him work for it again, that is where they can give themselves a chance. Because, you know, the linebackers have done pretty well so far this year. And I think that they could force UNLV to kind of regress in ways that, you know, in the ways that they really struggled against UNL, or, excuse me, Utah State a couple weeks ago. All right. So when we look at, like, um... So you think that's a big thing for them to for defense against this UNLV team? Yeah, I mean, I think that they have to win, especially on early downs. So what can the Spartans do offensively? Because you've, I know they got Oliver, they have Nevids. Their offense has been pretty good, but well, improving the past couple weeks. Like you've kind of been on, okay, they're playing for next year. That's why I was wondering, curious if Love is going to be starting because I was a Montel Aaron guy. Apparently, he's not the guy anymore. So I was wrong on that one. What's new, right? But, I mean, the, the the upside for San Jose State is that UNLV's defense is not San Diego State's defense. Sure. You know what's interesting real quick? I'm on CFP stats for, like, convert passing leaders. For some reason, Love isn't listed, but they have Lucky Nunn and also um, Jaquan Blackwell as only two San Jose State quarterbacks listed, or passers. Hmm. Is, is, I didn't think he was doing that terrible. Because the past couple weeks, they've been doing better overall. And getting average back helps giving the ball to Oliver helps. And also like I said, playing UNLV helps, right? I mean, I think this is, this is the game where if, if Tyler Nevins is back to a hundred percent, this is where he shows it because he was pretty much held in check as I think everybody would have expected uh, ahead of last week's game against the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know that the talent is there and if he can give them some semblance of balance and really take the pressure off of love, you know, Love kind of held his own last week. You know, he's 26-36. That's, you know, 72% completion rate, which I think was his best figure of the year, if I'm not mistaken, and 215 yards. But they really put a lot on his plate to try to win that game, and he just didn't have quite enough to do it. So if the running game could take even a little bit of a step forward against this UNLV defense, that is going to do the Spartans a huge favor. 
so looking at yeah i think you're correct on that as well but <laughs> we mentioned evans the running game has been just awful all year for spartans you know that right oh yeah oh i know i'm fully aware of that they have had one game of and it gets fbs competition zero games over 100 yards their best game coincidentally came against San Diego state last week with 62 total yards mm-hmm. they averaged 1.6 yards a carry I am. I think they will do better against UNLV. I just don't know. Like, they're the, the, with them being a what, for, geez, I'm stumbling here, but they're a, they're a field goal favorite somehow. Is it because the running game is going to turn around? Is it because they have Josh Sluffy's doing okay, or is that the Spartans' offense has been trending upward a little bit? Like you said, forty plus points versus the uh, yeah, Hawaii. They had that huge quarter versus Colorado State, thirty points. What makes them bad? Like, for me to say they're a field goal favorite. I honestly don't know why they are favored in this game. I have no idea why either. Like, if, I, if I'm being totally honest, I don't that, know. That's what I'm thinking. Like, the running game's not very good. Passing game's okay. Defense doesn't do much for you. So, is UNLV just considered that bad? Are they like going with me? Would Would Jillian thinking he's just a terrible quarterback, even though he has been getting better the past couple weeks? Or do they think Thomas is going to fall apart again? Because the two games prior, he was basically a non-factor. That's an excellent question. Let's just go to picks because I don't know what to do here. I, I well, I, I, I have a pick. It's more of a guess, I think, right? I mean, it's all guesses if we're being uh, totally honest. Yeah, true. But um, what does S and P Plus say? What's their projection for this one? Uh, let's see. S and P Plus has this one: uh, UNLV thirty-one, San Jose State twenty-eight. Can either team score that many points? We've seen them do it before. I know. I'm just asking. I'm just saying. Um, base, okay, so Number Fire has a tie. Well, oh. 0.1 difference for Rebels. 27-3, 27-2. And then um, Team Rankings is um, 31-28 for Spartans. I, I don't know what to do with this. I will say this. I will go with San Jose State. Here's why. I'll give you a reason why they're going to win. Is that my pick? I need to change it real quick. Hold on. Uh, before I do that, I am going to change my pick. I did have UNLV winning. Did you watch? Um, I'm not sure how much of you watched, but how San Jose State's line against you against the San Diego State basically dominated for that first half. I did not. I talked about it in my solo recap. Hopefully, people listened. I didn't sound too terrible, but they like were busting up the Aztecs line all day long. So if they can get that again, that's why they're going to win. So I'm going to say Spartans win like 28-24. I think they're going to have to wait to get another win. You are? Yeah. I'm win, going UNL- win, win I'm, though. I'm, I'm going UNLV. I feel like this is like secretly going to be like a 40 to 40 to 30 kind of game. That would be amazing. Um, so I'm going to – I don't know if it's going to be that, quite that high though. I'm going to go UNLV – 38 San Jose State 31 okay all right let's do this we've been chatting for a minute and I don't want my computer to crash because it's known to do so let's take a quick time out because we're already at one hour Matt all right Boise State at Air Force if you know the history of this show and the history of this game buckle up folks CBS Sports Network at Air Force 5 p.m. Mountain Time 4 p.m. out there in the uh way west coast where you're at matt so i take nothing for granted in this game and if you're going to watch one game only watch this one because i do remember the likes of weston Steelhammer, 
at seven turnover games, switching quarterbacks, Air Force beating Boise State because apparently Boise can never stop the triple option. That might be a myth now, but this is a game that should be interesting. I mean, I remember I remember last year's game where Boise State came out and wiped the floor with the Falcons. Well, I'm just saying, typically outside of last year, before before that, they were always – that's what I mean. Like, the there's all oh, the triple option. I can't stop it. They seemed to stop it last year. But since they joined the conference, New Mexico and Air Force have been like a thorn in Aztec and the Boise State side for teams where Broncos should be specifically better, that, better than, but they stumble and maybe get close wins more or even lose when they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my point where in Air Force too, one thing we don't know who's quarterback, which could play a big factor as well. That's true. It was Isaiah Sanders again last week, was it not? Who was amazing, which makes it even more difficult to what are they going to do? Go back to Donald Hammond the third who's was injured or stick with the guy who's played very well. <laughs> who even knows, right? They have a good problem. They can stick Aaron Worthman and be competitive. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was something that you had mentioned in the previous show last week, was it not? Yeah, like, that's a good thing to have. Like, yes, your best guy's probably Hammond, I think, maybe. But they have enough guys where the conference level wouldn't change too much with either of those three guys. See, here's the thing, though. Just like we mentioned a minute ago, where you know the good news for San Jose State was that UNLV is not San Diego State. Yeah. <laughs> bad, new, bad news for Air Force is that Boise State's front is not UNLV's front. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about a unit right now that is in the top 10 nationally as far as defensive opportunity rate. They're in the top 20 in stuff rate. And, you know, the, as far as Havoc rate is concerned, along with the defensive line especially – those guys up front are doing work. They rank 14th nationally at this point. So, you know, I see this as the kind of game where kind of like last year, Air Force is really going to scuffle to get the running game going, where even if they do it in fits and starts, it may not matter because a lot of their biggest, most glaring weaknesses, you know, if, and, and maybe this is, maybe this is still a big if, I don't know, but if, if Brett Rippon from last week shows up, this, this is, a walk for Boise State. No, you're probably right. If he shows up like that, that's a really good chance happened. I'm just saying that don't count Air Force ever against Boise State. Well, here's where Air Force, I think, could have a chance is that, you know, if they can force the game to be in Brett Rippon's hands, I think they still have a pretty decent chance of containing Alexander Madison because that's something that has still been you know, maybe not quite as explosive as Boise State fans hoped. Like he and Andrew Van Buren last week combined for over 100 yards, but they only had, what, 3.7, 3.8 yards per carry? Yeah. Um... I mean, I, th- I think the upside is that they found new ways to kind of create big runs. You know, obviously C.T. Mm-hmm. Thomas and Khalil Shakir had big runs last week. Yeah. And if you're looking for a silver lining, it's is that Madison did crack fifty percent as far as you know success rate and opportunity rate are concerned last week. So maybe there's a chance there. You know, Colorado State's front is, you know, a little bit dicey here and there. And obviously Boise also benefited from from very positive turnover luck as well last week. And that is not something that Air Force has done a lot of this year, is turning the ball over. Yeah, it's yeah, the turnovers always 
can change any game, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. can be pl- Remember, I said seven turnovers when they when Weston Stillhammer did his thing a while back. Mm-hmm. I think here's the thing: when we've seen Boise State struggle, it's right keeping a rip its hand because we've seen against San Diego State, against Oklahoma State, when teams bring pressure and hit him, he's not very he's not as which is simple to say because any quarterback can struggle when you're getting hit however many times or hurried or sacked. But it's proven that when that happens to him, he does not perform as well. And so if the Air Force can do that pass rush, maybe they can do that's, that's For me, that's probably their best hope to win the game. Is that Yeah, I just, I just... I don't know. I don't know if they can do it. Can they do it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I don't know if that is quite the Falcons' strength because their, their team sack rate on defense is only 4.4% right now. That is 110th in the country. So while while they do have some playmakers up front, you know, they they've been more sturdy against the run than as as effective pass rushers. And so while they may get to him every so often, like if if they want Rippon to drop back and throw 40 times, that would not surprise me at all. And if he tops 300 yards by like I don't know halfway through the third quarter, that's not going to shock me. Uh, you're, you're right. Also, did you see the couple of offensive line changes? I did. And I also heard that uh, Ronald Cleveland is out for this game as well. Oh, he is? I thought, oh, I didn't see that. I just saw he's changing roles. Yeah, they have uh, Andrew Smith slated opposite Marcus Bennett and Gerard Sanders in the starting lineup. Oh, I, I was looking. Okay, I didn't look at the depth chart. I was looking at something else. So, all right. So, if that's the case, he's like one of their best playmakers, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's, you know. Smith only has two catches this year, mm-hmm. but uh, he has 44 yards, so he's averaging 22 yards a catch. Well, yeah, well, in the offense, Air Force, you can do... Pretty, pretty normal yeah, for yeah, an Air yeah. Force receiver. Give me 10 for, t- t- 10 for 210, right? I mean, I think where it hurts to lose Cleveland is as a runner, too, mm-hmm. because as far as you know, the running game is concerned, like obviously they've done a lot of quarterback switching, but he's run pretty effectively i think he's been their most explosive runners if you look at um you know highlight yards per opportunity for instance which is just how many yards you're getting on average after the first five yards far and away among the guys in the backfield he has the best such number it's over seven and a half so losing him is not going to be nothing and if that gives boise state one less thing to worry about you know those fly sweeps or whatever you want to call them in that option options Mm -hmm. That just makes the Boise State's defense, uh, it makes their life a lot easier. And yeah, the defense is doing quite well because there's a piece. Yeah, I guess look at the defense overall with Van Rish out there that's still very dominant, the run defense, which you got to be in this game. And it's the same we say anytime play Air Force. Don't give up big plays. Just let them, who cares if they nickel and dime me for 10 yards, or not even 10 yards, sorry, four yards here, six yards here, even an occasional 10 yarder. Don't let them go for 18, 25 plus more often than. You have to. So mm-hmm. I think the way Boise, they've been up and down. I think they, I don't want to say, to say they turned around is kind of a slap in the face. They said two back, two games, they weren't very good. But there's, but look what they've done like recently. They've been kind of back to what they want to be, right? Is that kind of fair to say? I think so. So I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be, even though I kind of joked it, oh, look out for Air Force. As in any Air Force game, this will be close for a little while. But I think Boise State, it's a it's a ten point road favorite, so I think Boise's gonna win. I'm gonna go like thirty five twenty. S and P Plus, by the way, has this uh, Boise State thirty four Air Force twenty two. Boom! Right on target with me, right? 
<laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's going to be over pretty early, if I'm being honest, because I, I am optimistic about Brett Rippon's chances to kind of be the man in this game again, okay. the same way that he was last week. Gotcha. So I'm going to say Broncos 42, Falcons 28. All right. That's a lot of points still. It is. But right. I would take I would uh, I would lose the points, and I would go. Uh, what is it? What's the, what's the spread on this one? Is it uh, nine and a half? Nine and a half currently. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's pretty easy money if you're asking me. I think so. Yeah, uh, I think that's high. That's kind of that low because historical reasons, possibly, where it's kind of been close except for last year. All right. Next game: Hawaii at Fresno State. ESPN two seven thirty Pacific. Um, Matt, I always had to ask this at the home game: Are you going to be in attendance? Uh, probably not. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I don't have a good excuse. Yeah, I don't have a good excuse. I think I'm just gonna be lazy this weekend. Nah, both. You gotta watch Aztecs and Wolfpack too at the same time. Come on. That too. That too. There you go. Okay, so this game, Hawaii has um, how can I put this nicely? Tapered off a bit. I think that's a that very nice way of putting it. Yes. Off. Do you think it's because the offense is people's caught up to it, or that they are just not that good anymore? Because they only scored 22 versus Nevada. They got blown out by BYU, which is an okay team. Like these last two losses were teams that are that might might make a bowl game. I think the level of difficulty has increased a little bit because obviously, uh, you know, Wyoming for all of its offensive struggles still had a pretty good defense that nearly took them down even without Cole McDonald. Mm-hmm. You know, BYU is probably better than the likes of uh, you know Rice and. <laughs> And Duquesne. I mean, I think if you look back at that Army game, it taught you a lot about what this Hawaii team really was. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit more and more in these past two weeks, not only with the loss at BYU, but at home versus Nevada, where it really wasn't even close. Like, they got hammered on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And one of the things I thought would happen was, are they going to you know, be able to keep Nevada's you know, front off of Cole McDonald? Nope. You know, they sacked him four times and he, you know, his completion rate dipped right around 50% as a result. And they just really weren't the same offense that they have been in, uh, in September. And so I think that if I'm a Fresno state defense that has, I don't know, literally been the best defense in the group of five so far, I'm absolutely like cracking my knuckles and being like, I'm ready for this matchup. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think part of the reason why he's struggling, looking at the past game or two, the running game is kind of taking a step back. Because while it is a run and shoot four or five wide, like Fred Hall has been doing, like he had minus one yards last week. Was he? He's only had six carries the past two, three games and fewer than ten out of five of the last six for some reason. Well, he lost a lot of playing time to Dayton Feruda. Sure. But if you look at last week's game, Nevada was able to hold Feruda in check. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he only had. yards per carry and between him and McDonald like McDonald was running for seven yards a carry but they were in situations where it didn't really matter all that much yeah but but still I think like the running game like McDonald's had 40 yards here 50 yards here I think that's part of it because that's kind of what made the offense explosive like even McDonald three touchdowns but you said completion rate wasn't very good but as far as their team like this is clearly Clearly, by far the best team they've played all year. Not even close. Oh yeah. And that twenty-four and a half point line seems a bit rich for me, 
But I do want to see because Fresno State's defense, are they still number two in total defense or rushing defense? Excuse me. Scoring defense allowed, I believe they are number. They're number one Ooh. in scoring defense. So let, let me just run down the five factors for you real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive success rate, they're seventh. Uh, defensive explosiveness, ISO PPP, they're third. Average defensive field position, they're second. And uh, points per trip or points per points scored per trip inside the forty by opponents, seventeenth uh, nationally. So, and oh, and oh, by the way, they're plus 12 in turnovers. Yeah, that's helpful as well. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so let me ask you this. Will this, will this wide D offense score the most points it gets as Fresno defense this year? Are we talking about in conference play? Total, or are we talking about just overall? Total, because their biggest points allowed, or most, that's bad English, most points allowed was Toledo with 27. Will Hawaii come close to that? I think they could. I think if Hawaii is going to have a chance in this game, and I suppose this is where I start building the possibility of an upset case, you know, Hawaii, or excuse me, Fresno State's defensive front has been a lot better than people expected coming into the year. It was probably their biggest question overall. And while they're hovering right around the top 50 as a unit, as far as Havoc rate is concerned, one thing that's a little bit lacking that might play in Hawaii's favor is team sack rate. Because right now it's only 5.7%, and that's 81st in the country. And one thing that Hawaii has continued to do, and, and maybe they weren't quite as effective at it last week against Nevada, but for the most part, they've still kept Cole McDonald upright. And so I think there's an opportunity where, you know, Hawaii's obviously still got a lot of talent at receiver, but this is going to be the best defensive backfield they face all year. And if they give McDonald time, to make his decisions, you know, then it becomes a really interesting matchup of strength on strength because, you know, if you've watched Fresno State's secondary this year, you know that there's talent all over the place. But yeah. there's a possi- there's a possibility they get challenged if they can't get to McDonald as often as Nevada did last week. And so I think that if there's an upset bid, he's just going to absolutely have to bounce back. But that's a big if against the secondary. Oh, it definitely is. And that's, like we mentioned, we saw McDonald get, so Army beat them, BYU beat them. Even, like, going to Nevada, they were just going through and hitting him over and over. Uh, I, th- let's, let's flip it around here. Let's go to Fresno offense, because Hawaii defense is not very good either. Like, there's reason to give up all these sorts of points. Like, yeah, giving up 44 to Nevada is a lot, but Nevada's offense, I still think, I still believe in it a little bit. When you look at their uh, overall defense, they are what, 30-something points per game. They're not very good there. They allow too many, like, passing yards. They are not very good. They're basically a below-average Mountain West defense. Going up, oh, yeah. going up against offense, which is what, not – where would you – what, Fresno, number two, number three in the conference, you think, overall? Uh, eh, no, never mind. I mean, I'm, I'm I mean they haven't – I mean, let's put it this way. They haven't been as, like, high-flying as Utah State or even a Boise State – but, you know, they're still, by offensive S&P Plus, they rank 36th. So it's not as though they've been slouching at all. It's just not as good as the defense, which is hard to do, to have both sides be that great. They're pretty good. Like, they move the ball pretty well, like, in a per-play basis. They have, look at again, they got Keyshawn Johnson who has, who catches anything that comes near him. They there's, have, a very, there's a very good chance, by the way, that Keyshawn Johnson sets the school record for career catches this weekend. Who holds the record right now? Devontae Adams. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Current Green Bay Packer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it? okay? There's that. McMurrian is a 
am I right to say, like, remember how I said they'd make the biggest jump in offense percentage-wise? Do you think that's still the case compared to last year? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'd say yeah, outside, I mean, I mean, outside I of Hawaii, that, I guess. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I think another part of the upset bid maybe is trying to figure out a way to slow McMarion down. Because, you know, if you look at the Fresno State's running game, for instance, it's, yeah, it's been okay. You know, the, obviously they haven't been quite as effective as just moving forward. Like their stuff rate has slid all the way into the triple digits nationally. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 103rd as far as, you know, plays stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage on offense on the ground. And their opportunity rate is only 127th, but it hasn't mattered because McMarion has been so good yeah, only two all pick. year long. Only two picks. Yeah. So I think that, you know, it's kind of a hope and a prayer, like, figure out how to slow down McMarion. But if they can do that, they have a chance. Oh, by the way, though, Hawaii's going to be without Jelani Tavai. Oh, boy, that's tough. So, you know, Fresno State might still be able to stay balanced in the way that they want to anyway. And, you know, just kind of put Hawaii in a position where if they can't rush the passer, which is something that they've struggled against this year, you know, if if they can't get to McMarion, if they can't stop, you know, even a, a modest running game, you know, this is another instance where, like I talked about with Boise State and Air Force, this could be over pretty early, earlier than a lot of people expect. It certainly could. And stick of the running, one last thing in the running game, while it's not like they're only three and a half yards per carry, when they get close, they score touchdowns. Yes. They're not getting stopped. Yes, they had seven versus Idaho, but 18 overall, four in the last two games. When it matters, when when whoever Mims or whoever's going to run the ball, when they need a rushing touchdown, or even whoever's going to run it in, they they get the touchdowns when they need when they're in the red zone close. So yeah. that's yeah. Well, it's not the greatest running game. It's good enough, and when they need it, they get the yards to score points. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be something to watch, especially since Fresno State is so good at creating turnover opportunities. That's one thing that both of these teams have in common is they've both been really good about finishing drives. Like Hawaii struggled a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but they still rank 26th nationally on offense. Fresno State, by contrast, ranks 16th. And so I think, you know, maybe if you're looking for something when it's close and late is how well they do in those opportunities. But again, you know, on defense, Hawaii is 83rd as far as points per triple out inside the 40. So that is something that could easily go sideways on them, too. All right. You know what the biggest thing could be in this game? What's that? Um, let me ask you this. How many times will Rolo go for it on fourth down? Will he uh, risk going up against being that aggressive against a really good defense? I mean, I think if he wants to pull an upset, he will. Oh, good point. Uh, I, don't, that's, I think that's a big deal because I said last week, like the recap, like maybe tone it down a bit. But here, he's not like it's going for in bad situations. Like, oh, I'm at my the opponent's 42-yard 40, line, and it's fourth and six. It's like, well... We're not going to punt a fourth and less than five. Like, well, it's a like when he's doing, it, he's typically doing it at times where you can't question him doing it because it can make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. However, when they don't convert it, it looks bad. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely high risk, high reward. He's out in front in that regard, I think. Yeah. But I think it is worth noting that they put a lot of responsibility in McDonald's hands in that regard, and he's still been pretty good this year. Like, he's he's converted seven first downs through the air, I think, on 15 pass attempts. Mm-hmm. But he also has four touchdowns, remarkably enough, and a 60% completion rate. So he's giving himself a chance to succeed. 
But again, that's one of those things. It's really hard to predict one way or the other how well it's going to go. But I think that you know when you look at what Fresno State's been able to do on third downs on defense, they, I don't know, have they been the best third down defense in the country? Because I think they might be. That's not <laughs> that doesn't bode well for what the Warriors want to do, right? Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: they're they're eighth in third down success rate on defense. Fresno State is. Oh my gosh! And so, like, even if they start, even if they stop them on third down, there's still a pretty good chance they're going to do the same thing on fourth down as well. But I guess we'll have to wait and find out. So, what's your prediction for this one? What's the spread on this one again? Uh, a lot. Uh, officially, <laughs> sorry, twenty-four and a half. That's a lot okay, of so points. S- so S&P Plus has this one at Fresno State 43, Hawaii 17. So does team rankings. Number four goes 43-14. Hmm. I, I'll go uh, – well, if you're if you're hemming the hind, can I go first? Yeah, go for it. Fresno's going to win. I think Hawaii will do enough to cover because I think their offense is good enough and coupled with Fresno State's offense being good but not great – they're not like they they could be dominant like last week's win. What they scored twenty eight points last week versus New Mexico. It was thirty eight. Oh, sorry, 30, I apologize. Thirty eight. So, <laughs> oh, geez, maybe that throws my thing out the window. I just think, okay, I'll still stick with I think Hawaii's offense is good enough to poke a hole and get maybe a couple extra points than you think they should get. So I think it, plus twenty four and a half is a lot of points. So I I think Hawaii's going to cover, but it's going to be like. Uh, Thirty-five, seventeen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the kind of game where Fresno State gets ahead early and then just kind of sits on a comfortable lead. So I would probably take Hawaii to cover two. Uh, I'm going to say Fresno State 31, Hawaii 14. All right, then. Is this next game the game of the weekend for you? Uh, I think it's, yeah. You know, I'll go ahead and say it. San Diego State at Nevada. Aztecs are only a two and a half point road favorite. The over under is extremely low, forty five and a half points. I mean, seven thirty p.m. Pacific. I should mention ESPNU. If I already said that, I apologize. But Matt, is this does the Aztecs luck run out? <laughs> you just want to start with that, huh? <laughs> Why not? The, uh... First, no. Okay, let's back, take one step back. Okay, well, let, let's answer the question yes and no. Let's let's frame it like the Aztecs' luck is going to run out. Why? Why? Uh, I would. I will say this. Oh, why is it the question? You turn it back on me. I was going to ask you the question. Uh, the reason it would. Um, hmm. I think it can run out because. Let's go back to last week's San Jose State game. Okay. San Jose State's not very good, right? We can both say they're terrible. Yes. Because they, they are the only winless team outside of San Jose State. San Diego State had to settle against a bad defense for multiple – well, sorry, the one field goal was long, a 51-yarder, so I can't say that's for Barron. But they kicked too many field goals. They were getting beat up on the front – on the, inside the trenches in the first half where they typically dominate. And – I would say Nevada, even though Nevada's defense isn't great, it's better than San Jose State's. And they have a guy named Malik Reed who can make some plays and get to the backfield. So I would say if that line struggles again, Nevada is going to put a world of hurt on the Aztecs because there's only so many times you can win by getting 
field goals late in the game, overtime Eastern Michigan, getting a sort of a uh, not lucky but a beneficial outcome versus Arizona State because of a targeting call. Not just it happened. That's the game was in their favor, but they've won their past five games by less than a touchdown. And so I, I'm not to say lucky, but I think the line, like the way they're getting beat up and pushed around, that should never happen. Aztecs have the best, they should have the best offensive line of the conference by far. They only ran for like, the, Jasmine wasn't even their best rusher last year. It was a chance bell, which is not a bad thing, but if it's going to run out, it's because the running game kind of is lackluster, which it's, it's shocking to say. I don't think it will be, but I'm going to say it's because the offensive line plays as bad as last week. If it does. I mean, I think if there's an argument to be made, it's that Ryan Agnew takes a step back in those situations where the chips are down. Because in last week's game against San Diego State, you could make a reasonable argument that was one of those things that really kept the Aztecs in the game. Because he was only 7 of 11 overall, but he was 6 of 8 in passing downs. And a lot of that came down to, you know, they were really trying to hammer the Spartans with the running game. And it wasn't, as you said, working as well as you might think it would. But if you look at what they did two weeks ago against Air Force, he was only 5 of 17 on those same passing downs. So, you know, maybe that's a a corollary to what you were saying earlier about Nevada possessing a good enough defense to really kind of put the pressure on the Aztecs. But I think that if their luck is going to run out, it's because those kinds of struggles in more obvious passing situations are finally going to catch up to them. Yeah, because he's – we know – that's re, it's also – I would couple that the passing situation just because the running game's not doing well in first and second down. So they're being forced into those long passing situations, which they're not, they're not often that's built to complete third and eight more often than not. They want third and four or less where they could run the ball, run a play action, run a bootleg where they have the opportunity or not the opportunity, but the, uh, they could show or run either play, which long way of saying that third and short. And to echo that point, uh, third and short success rate on offense, 100%. Yeah. What is third and short? Is that fourth? I believe the, I believe the way they're redefining it because Bill Connolly has this new section called Bill Walsh stats. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, he's defining third and short in that situation as one yard or less. Oh, okay. That's very short. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it might be two yards or less, but I'm pretty sure it's one yard. but that just kind of echoes your point. Like when they've been able to get into those situations that play to their strengths, they've been really good at it. So, what, okay, so I said that right. Why would Nevada get the victory? Is it because what they do or what San Diego State does poorly? Well, I mean, I think we were just talking about that, weren't we? Yeah, it, it, the ways in, the ways in which Nevada can force yeah. San Diego State's luck to run out. Well, I was. I think, I think I think the more compelling question is what happens if the Aztecs' good fortunes holds for another Saturday. How does that happen? Uh, just the opposite, I guess. The offensive line pushes around that Nevada's defensive line. Jasmine and a um, shoot um, Chase. What's his name? No, sorry, that's the same guy, right? Chase Jasmine. Why am I blanking on the running back's name? Um, Are you talking about Chance Bell? Oh, I'm getting the names mixed up, aren't I? Combining the two, aren't they one player? Isn't that how it works? 
<laughs> no, but that's, I, that's just that's just how it seems with San Diego State sometimes. They've, Juwan, always, got a guy, they've always got a guy running for a thousand yards. Juwan Pumphrey, right? Is that who it is? <laughs> yeah. Richard Washington. Uh, but I would think it'd be the opposite. I would say the offensive line gets to what they do, what they normally do. They run the ball well, and Agnew needs to throw like 14, 13 times maximum, maybe fifteen. That's that's how it's good. It's just. I, seriously, the complete opposite. They do they do their game plan. They run well. They move the ball and they pass it into, and they're not stuck in any. They're not getting sacked. They're not in any second or third and long situations. They're always moving the ball and getting positive yards, and not having to uh, just they just play simple play with play how they normally play. But it's hard when you have backup quarterback, backup running back. But if they play like they we think they can play, especially the offensive line is up to snuff like it. Maybe last week was the aberration. Maybe they are too confident playing Spartans. Maybe there could have been something like that. But I just think play how you play. That's that's kind of lame to say, but you get my point. If they play how we how they should be able to play, strong offensive line, pushing people around, and find the holes to running. And we because we've seen these running backs be fine. Like they they've been winning games. They've been running the ball quite well, just not elite type well. But I think if they can go back to do what they did against say like Air Force or on offense at least or Eastern Michigan as does when Washington first got hurt but we look at like Eastern Michigan game when you go back and look in the second half Jasmine had 94 yards overall not all the second half but he'd pick up the pace and had a big game do stuff like that that's how they'll get they'll get a victory I mean I think it just comes down to take down Ty Ganji because I think if if San Diego State's going to win this game, they're going to do it exactly the way they've done it recently, and that's with their defense. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, we've seen Nevada's running game come and go a couple times in the last few weeks, and it is worth noting that San Diego State is still really good against defending the run. You know, a defensive opportunity rate, they're seventh nationally now. Stuff right there in the top 30. So... You know, as I think as long as they can avoid the big plays through the air, which we, we've seen them kind of cop up a little bit, you know, I think ultimately what it's going to come down to is can they put pressure on Ty Ganji? And if for whatever reason they can't, because I think it is worth mentioning Nevada's still been pretty good about protecting him this year. I think his sack rate is right around two and a half percent, which is really good. You know, can they avoid copping up the big plays that we saw kind of betray them against Stanford, for instance? Because, you know, maybe we haven't talked enough about him, but like Elijah Cooks is averaging 16 and a half yards per catch. McLean Mannix, maybe we're still not talking about him enough. He's up to about 19 yards per catch. So Nevada's still got plenty of big play capability, but I think that is going to be the one thing that this game really hinges upon. Yeah, maybe do it. Uh, yeah, or do uh, remember how San Diego State beat Boise State? Hit ripping about a dozen times. It seemed like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's you're kind of piggyback what you said. Get after Ganji, if they can. F- Here's the thing: like when Nevada is on offense, like Tawa, he does a pretty good job. But you said it ha- he has been hit or miss the past couple weeks. I think if they can, if you want to make them one dimensional, I think you'd probably rather force them to run the ball more often than not. But then again, if it's you get a like if they do get a sack, which will be tough, or if it's long situation, you're not going to run. But I think with the way San Diego State's defense goes, with the, like the guys in the secondary, make yeah, make um play single coverage, play one on one, and bring as many guys you want and make them run the ball. Right? Would that make the most sense for what Nevada does to stop their strength? 
You could either, I guess there's two ways to look at it. You could bring pressure a lot to force some quick throws, which they could still do if it's one-on-one coverage, if they want to do that in their 3-3-5, which is not typically what they do. But I think slowing down the passing game is the best way for them to win. Either it is to make them run or you get, yeah, make them run, right? Or you can pick the ball off, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I think they should play to not let Ty Ganji beat you. Because that's that's super simple, but you know my point. Like have to have to have the true freshman run the ball thirty five times. But then again, if you run the ball that many times, something's going weird in this game. They're probably I don't know. This not gonna happen. But I just think I'm saying it too many words. Like what you said before, just beat Ty Ganji. Don't let him beat you. And so, but I think the Aztecs defense is good enough where they can, like I said, go after the run, bring six guys up front, maybe seven, play single coverage they want, or blitz a lot, or they could do a lot of different things where. They they could be creative in their defense where they don't need to drop seven guys against this Nevada's passing game all the time. They could do so many different things. I'm thinking to not to confuse him, but they have enough guys to like I said they can rush a bunch, they can drop everybody back, they can play single coverage, and they have a, a multitude of options to stop him. That either can be him throwing the ball or forcing them to run because passing him's not working. That's a long way to say, but it's uh, that's just me saying the defense is really good. And they can they can do a million different things to try to stop Ganji. So should we go to predictions for this game? I guess so because I'm rambling and getting a little tired here. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, well, it's like a touch. It's like the defense is good. Like they, that's all I'm saying. They have a million ways to stop one player, which is huge. I think Nevada will get some points. I don't know because man, the luck. Fa- we shouldn't take the luck factor, but really, two and a half points. Really. So S and P plus, oh man, this maybe is... maybe for a little bit of guidance. Yeah, help me out uh, here. What do you got, Bill? <laughs> uh, they have it: uh, San Diego State twenty six, Nevada twenty three. Oh, really? FPI real quick has the Aztecs a slim favorite, fifty three percent chance to win the game. And then I cl- I close my tab to look at the uh, number fire stuff. But what's your prediction? It's tough because Nevada is really are they really that good of a team? I think they I mean they I think they're better than I thought they would be. It's and that's mostly because the defense has come around. But I think in this particular instance, I kinda like San Diego State to pull out another one. Really so before you hold on, before you let me give you one last um hint here. Number fire, twenty eight San Diego State, Nevada sixteen. I'm gonna go. Aztecs, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Aztecs twenty-one, Nevada seventeen. I predict Aztecs to cover on both fronts, or I guess cover and win. I just, I don't know. It's they've had so many close games, and that really shouldn't factor into our prediction. You know what I mean? It's like okay, it, if you look at the vacuum, every game's close, but they still win in different ways. They're not winning because of one way or the other. They won because the field goal kicker kicks three field goals. They <laughs> they're won. winning because they're winning because of defense and special teams. It's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. But you know my point. It's like okay, Agnew has a bad game. They still won because of kicker this week. They run this week because they sack Brett Rippin twice and hit him four other times. They mm-hmm. win this game because we're running second half against Eastern Michigan. They have a good running game when started Washington gets hurt. But you're right, even that game was special teams. They had two field goals late to win that game. I'm going to say Aztecs are still going to win, but it's going to – oh, man. I, don't, I want to pick Nevada, but I don't want to pick Nevada. 
<laughs> if you want to do it, then do it, man. Call it a stupid upset pick. Is it when you're? It's a two and a half point road favorite. Is that really a stupid upset pick? It's your call. It it's is. your show. It's your podcast. Hey, it, it, it's our podcast. Come it's on. our podcast. Come on, get over. It's not my. No, it's both. You you can do what you want. I'm gonna take San Diego State to win a close one. I'll go further. Barrett, another game winner. 27-24 Aztecs. All right. 46-yarder. <laughs> I'll be specific for some That reason. is oddly specific. I have the almanac in the future, just saying. Um, All right. Anything else we need to add? Because this show has been extremely long tonight. No, I think we've given the people what they want. Definitely. All right, folks. Check us out. MWR.com. Check out Matt's. Uh, is this going to be your hot take number two? Yeah, let's hope that one doesn't go as poorly as the first one. We'll see next week. We do other predictions. So people love it. It were Reddit. People like it. So that's nice. People chatting about it. A lot of places discussing. So check that out. Um, basically, come on, cowards. Rank these three Mountain West teams. Uh, podcast here. Obviously, you're listening. Subscribe. Tune in. Block Talk Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker. Um, wherever you get your podcast, go for it. And we'll be back uh, Sunday night. Uh, also, really quick basketball stuff. We might have some hoops podcasts over the weekend. So, yeah, if you like basketball. It's here, right? Nevada's a top 10 team, Matt. Did you see that? I did see that. They have an All-American. They're really good, I believe. I think. So I think I think they're going to be pretty good at the <laughs> basketball during this year. They should be pretty good shooting the old... Um, what's, what did Ted Cruz say? The basketball hoop? The rim? No, what did he say? Oh. The ring? <laughs> oh, I, don't even, I don't even know. There was some ridiculous thing where it was... We're not getting to that, but it was something... The hula hoop of the basketball... Whatever. Check us out. Disregard the last moment. It'll stay in here, but... Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time on uh, will be uh, Sunday night to recap what's hopefully an awesome week of nine.